Luxury shoes made from upcycled grape skin and apple skin. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Italian-American luxury shoe designer Jennifer Stucco has been on a mission to combine sustainability and luxury with her brand Protofiori. The name is Italian meaning protect the flowers, which, which signifies Stucco's commitment to prioritizing Mother Earth with plant-based alternatives in place of leather for women's luxury footwear. We talk her launching Protofiori during the pandemic and how she was inspired to leave the world of luxury Italian brands to start her own business. This woman is a go-getter. She's inspiring and I'm just intrigued that you can make shoes from apple skins and grape skins. So find out how she does it in this next podcast episode of The Soulful Side of Life. I've always been interested in biographies and the stories of people's lives. In 10th grade, I read over 30 books of the Kennedy family, not out of obsession, but deep fascination of their commitment to public service. I read so many biographies that I've lost count, and I must say, I get this from my mother. She's always reading biographies. I'm Allie Portee, a fashion journalist and editor of Zayla Magazine. I invite you to sit in on some of my conversations with some pretty inspiring people from around the world on topics of fashion, entertainment, music, and entrepreneurship. Basically, these are conversations from the soulful side of life about topics that will hopefully inspire your life in some way. This is the soulful side of life. So thanks so much for being able to join the podcast today. Uh, you're amazing and starting a brand during COVID. So that's very brave. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, um, I didn't know COVID was going to happen when I started the, the company. That was the idea I, I came up with in 2018. And we, um, we founded the company in 2019 with the plans to launch um, in April of 2020, which we did go forward with. Um, but of course it looked really different than what I had anticipated. Of course. And um, one thing I find interesting about your story, and I mean, I guess a lot of people do this, they've worked for um, high-end luxury brands and that was kind of your journey working for menswear luxury brands. And then you started uh, your own brand, but was that always the plan? Did you always know you wanted to start your no, own? No, <laughs> not at all. Um, I think it would have, I don't know if it would have been easier, but um, no, I was always attracted to working with Italian luxury brands. Um, and that's why I liked working at Armani and Valentino and A. Testoni. I was really attracted to the culture and the heritage and the history and how it all really linked to Italy, you know, brand Italy, the country of Italy, everything about it, not just the fashion. Mm -hmm. um, and my latest role with A. Testoni is really where I discovered that I had an entrepreneurial spirit mm -hmm. because I was really building things from the ground up with them with a very senior role at a young age. And I discovered that I really liked to problem solve 
uh, and fix things and build things and um, and manage people. Um, and that's where it kind of like this fire lit up in me that I discovered, oh, wow, like you actually like to work in a completely different way than you've been working before. And that's when I was truly happiest in my career is when I was building um, at Atestoni. And when I left there, um, I took about a year to, to soul search and think about what I wanted to do next. And the thought of, of having my own company did cross my mind a few times, but I didn't know what that was. And I'm a really passionate person. So I was like, not until you figure out what really strikes a chord in you, can you make that jump and take that risk? Um, so I was like looking everywhere for this. I mean, I was just delving into like my family ancestry, um, and discovering what they did. So they all worked in, in fashion as well, but in Italy. So as men's tailors, shirt makers, shoemakers. Um, so I was like, Oh, okay. Like, this is why I'm so attracted to these Italian companies. I know my Italian heritage, but it's really in my blood, um, working in fashion. And then I, started to learn about climate change and sustainability. And it was really, really, really organic. Like I am a very curious person. Um, and I started watching these documentaries and the more and more that I learned about it, the more outraged I got and upset. And then I realized, wow, you're part of this huge problem. And you portray yourself or believe that you're one person, but you're actually doing something so unconsciously and subconsciously, you're actually hurting the planet and hurting humanity and you don't even realize it. Yeah. And I've always practiced meditation and yoga and, and the deeper I got into that practice and discovering these things about climate change and sustainability and looking at my career path, that's when I realized the alignment was completely off. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I decided I'm going to start my own company and I'm going to make a difference. And, and I just got so, so excited about it. Um, so that's when I knew I wanted to do this because I was like, I, I felt a calling to do it. Um, and I wasn't seeing anyone else doing it. And so I'm like, someone needs to take, take the lead here. Um, yeah. from the ground up. There are other companies, of course, making tons of efforts and have started in other ways, but not so much in the footwear space the way that we're doing so gotcha and and why do you think it is that the italians are so gifted in creating luxury brands you've gone from an era where italians were artists like in florence and uh, making sculptures yeah. and, and i guess the money was always there that um princes in italy were always supporting the arts if you look back deep yeah. in history and then how did the Italians go from that to creating fashion brands and being successful at it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I think in general, Italians, the Italian lifestyle is just something that we all aspire to or look up to. I believe um, they have a really deep appreciation for life and they have a very romantic approach to life. So they really appreciate the arts. They appreciate creativity. They appreciate music, slow living, good food, family, sitting around a table together. Um, they appreciate creating things together, whether it's a meal or a shoe or like a beautiful handbag. 
Mm -hmm. um, and I think that just is so deeply rooted in their heritage and their culture that creating a beautiful piece of art or a beautiful shoe is really the same experience for them. Mm -hmm. um, shoemaking in general, of course, like to me, made in Italy and a luxury shoe are synonymous. I don't think you can make a shoe in another part of the world and call it the same sort of luxury that you would get from a shoe in Italy. Um, I think what's so special about their craft is that it really is passed down from generation to generation to generation. So the skill that they have and the knowledge that they have is it's, it's in their blood. Um, it's like wine, right? It's like uh, pasta. They've been doing it for so long um, and they love it. And they put so much love and tender care into it um, that you can feel it, you know, when you, when you're with that. And I think that that's really special versus um, maybe, you know, going somewhere else where they haven't had it passed down from generations and it's not part of their culture. It's just part of their business. Mm -hmm. It's just a really different thing. Okay. Um, gotcha. Yeah, it's amazing how when you look at different nations, every nation has its own personality and character and the Italians are just really good craftsmen and craftswomen and it really just comes out in luxury brands and uh, you're you're adding to that. I'm sure that your great great grandparents would be so proud um, of yeah. what you created. Um, so you decided to start a brand, but then you took some time off, uh, if I remember your story correctly, to meditate yeah. and to, yeah, was, were you using that time to think about this is how my business is going to look? Did you already know, okay, I'm going to create shoes? No, not at all, actually. Um, I, I really took this time. I mean, before this year off, I have been practicing yoga and meditation and for about 10 years now. So it's a big part of my life, but I definitely use this time um, between starting the company and leaving my, you know, life full-time position um, to like really be still and tune in to what was important to me and what I really wanted to do. But I, it wasn't like I was like, okay, what's my next business going to look like? What's my next job going to look like? I wasn't, you know, focusing on that. I was just kind of focusing on like, what feels good? What feels right to me? What's important to me? And where do I want to go? Like, where do I see myself going in my life personally and professionally? And, um, you know, when I leave, how do I want to be remembered? <laughs> um, and what makes this all worth it? So I, I really wasn't focused on like, you know, specific things. Um, and I, shoes just came naturally to me though. It was just natural. And of course, like when I did discover and learn about fashion being the second most toxic industry in the world, I naturally looked at shoes because it was something A, I just already loved and was obsessed with. And B, I had such, I have an expertise in Italian luxury shoemaking um, and a great network there. And I have a lot of knowledge there. So I, of course, looked at footwear. Um, and then I saw what was happening in the industry with some other brands like Rothy's and Tom's and Allbirds. So brands in the sneaker space, athleisure space, um, totally built off of different business models, different value sets than the luxury shoe brands. 
And knowing the luxury shoe brands, either personally or from working with them or just the culture of Italy, mm-hmm. I didn't feel that they would act fast um, to, you know, create sustainable shoes permanently. Sure. So whether it was because of, you know, the financial risk of, of um, starting a new supply chain, uh, also breaking the relationships, you know, this is Italian culture, right? It's all, you know, to break a relationship with a supplier that you've been working with for over two decades or so is not an easy thing to do, sure. um, which I highly respect. So it's, it's um, I saw that I didn't think it was going to be so quick this change in the luxury footwear space in particular. So that's where I was like, this is a really good idea because I can start from ground zero Mm -hmm. with building a supply chain that's sustainable, choosing a manufacturer that cares about sustainability um, and all of my other partners without, you know, the risk of breaking relationships. I'm sorry, brand new ones. Yeah. What does it take to start a, a luxury footwear brand um, how have you been able to make it work to keep going? Because I mean, a lot of people have the skill to do something right, but how do you yeah. keep it going? Yeah, I think it's all about the mentality and um, 100% actually, because like you said, like everyone is good at something or really great at something, but at the end, it's your work ethic, it's how you approach it, and it's about the people that you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have a really good mentality and a positive one, but also a realistic one. And I'm really conscious of the people that are around me and how I manage them and how they manage me and my relationships with them. And that's been a really big key to success so far because I can make a beautiful shoe, but that's just a starting point. So it's the product, but then it's the people um, and it's taking care of yourself too especially in this new world that we're living in and starting out in this new way. I've, you know, consciously have to remind myself it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and listening to people and asking for help um, and accepting it and receiving it, you know, graciously from others. So I think that that's key. It takes the whole army. I mean, of course I founded the company, but I have nine advisors mm-hmm. um, I have a few interns that I love mentoring that are helping me every day. And then I have great partners, but I make sure I treat them really well and with respect and always communicate with them what's going on with the business, even things that they're not involved in because I really want everyone to feel like a huge part of this and be inspired every day. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I think that's a huge part of it. There's so many people involved in this. So, yeah, it's like so many arms, but it's a large part is how you treat people being communicative and having that passion uh, that doesn't die even on the hard days, I'm sure. Yeah, no, for sure. And I've always been a very social person. Even when I was younger, I was that person having all of the gatherings and parties at home and always the the friend who you'll hear from no matter what. Um, And I've carried that into my professional life. Um, And it's worked out really well for me. And I, I like making people feel good. I like creating communities. I like creating relationships. So I think that's a huge part of creating a successful business. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I've learned a lot about, you know, from mistakes in the past. I wasn't always really good at manage, managing people. I'm still not 100% great at it. I don't have full-time hires yet, but um, I've made so many mistakes and I really remember them and try not to do that again. So, Sure, sure. Um, where did the idea come to make your shoe skin out of apple yeah, and grape skin? Yeah. So great question. So I, I really didn't, when I came up with the concept like of let's create a really beautiful, luxurious shoe that's sustainable, I didn't know what materials I would use. I actually spent the first six months um, of this idea ideation phase of actually contacting hundreds of suppliers in Italy. So whether it was through my network or it was through all of the trade shows, I contacted hundreds of suppliers and asked them for a few different really important credentials. And if they couldn't share those credentials with me, they didn't pass the test. And I wouldn't even ask for a sample of material. Um, the apple skin and the grape skins passed those tests. Um, and when I discovered the material and felt the material and started testing it on our prototypes, I realized the quality was super, super high. Um, so I decided on the combination of those materials in addition to the other materials that we use, like recycled cardboard, upcycled plastic, and regenerated leather, chrome-free metal, and so on, um, based on the quality at the end. So the quality, the durability, um, how long will it last? How does it do in the rain? Um, We did extensive quality control tests for up to a year on the combination of, of the materials um, so it was, it was a long process, but, but there are other, you know, materials that are made out of plant-based fibers and whatnot, but some of them aren't as durable. Some of them aren't as luxurious. So for example, our grape skins are used with Bentley, like we're using top, top notch materials. And because this is a luxury shoe, I, I wanted to choose the best there was available in the sustainable supply chain space. So. Wow, it's it's pretty fascinating. My dad, he was looking yeah. up. She was like, "How is this made out of apple?" And and yeah, he was fascinated. With yeah, it. it's it's really interesting. I mean, the so the what's really interesting about the two materials is that so apples are a consistent crop in Italy in the north. So there's a surplus of waste. So there's no shortage of waste. You can scale the supply chain because of that. Um, these fibers are really strong, so they make a great leather alternative. Um, the grape skins, obviously it, it's from the wine waste of Italy. So there's no shortage of wine in Italy. Um, and that's the grape seed, the grape stalk, um, and so on. And that's combined with a water-based PU. Um, and they also have really strong fibers. So it, it comes down to the fiber of the fruit or the plant or the food waste and how it mixes with a, something like water-based PU to make the alternative. Um, but the skill that's needed to create those, those alternatives is really, um, you have to be a very skilled artisan. So the, that waste is actually brought to Florence where they're famous for leather making and the same artisans that make leather in Florence um, apply their skill set to making the apple and grape skin material. I see, okay. It's all very fascinating and just a, a genius way to be sustainable. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm always shocked that I was able to pull it off 
we filed a provisional patent for the utility. So the combination of how we we've made the shoe because it's never been done before. We're the first to make a shoe like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a few more things coming out that have never been done before that will come out this year, which is exciting. But I love um, product development. I love testing materials. Um, and I'm always looking for new things. So like, I, I'm always looking for what's not out there because I know that there's always stuff under the surface. And and Italy is very innovative. Um, I was, when I first went, my first trip to meet with all the suppliers because they've met with them all individually. Um, I was a little surprised. I was shocked. I was like, wow, there's so much energy here focused on sustainability. They're doing a lot of work. Um, and I really wanted the brand to be fully sourced and fully made in Italy because another part of our mission is to preserve Italian craftsmanship. And that doesn't just start at designing the shoe and making the shoe. It starts at the supply chain. So, yeah. Um, how did you, why did you choose to do, do go your own way as opposed to working for another luxury Italian brand in their shoe department? Like what gave you the confidence to just break yeah. up your own? That's a really great, great question. I didn't even think, where could I go work and do this actually? It didn't even cross my mind. Um, and I, I think it's because I knew I could do it. Um, because in my previous, you know, position with the luxury men's shoe brand, I had a lot of experience working with the supply chain and the manufacturer directly and going to the shoe factory and, and building product concepts and design. So I think I just instinctively was like, I can, I can do this. Um, of course I didn't realize how much goes into it (laughs) two years now down the road. Um, I'm so glad I didn't know. (laughs) Uh, but, but yeah, I didn't even think about going anywhere else. And I think it's also because I, I had worked with a a lot of these other brands to help them out in some scenarios. And I, I know kind of how slow or how bureaucratic a bigger company can be, or how many yeses you need to get to move ahead with something. And the pace is, is too slow. Like you can't, that's the, the issue I think with some of the, the bigger companies that they're facing right now is to actually make change it takes a long time because you need a lot of people around the room to say, okay, let's go for it. And they've already built their brands around different images and different, different models and different values. So then it's, it's all about switching that. And to me, it didn't feel even, I have a hard time now. It doesn't feel so authentic. Like I I really care about this. Um, And I didn't feel like, well, I can go somewhere and, and, make them change because they didn't start because they cared about this, um, which I think it's, it's great when they do start changing, but I, it started from authenticity, really, um, really passionate about this. So I, I didn't see how I could mirror that somewhere else that was built off of something else. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Last question. You started a brand during the pandemic time. Of course you didn't know a pandemic was coming, but what have been the hardships and how have you overcome starting a brand last year? Um, that's a great question. I think I've, I've chosen to look at all of the upsides from this because in reality, we, we launched with COVID in 2021, really together in April or March with them. And that time has given me time to 
build the brand and awareness. And also there was a captivating audience at home where I could introduce myself to people and, and um, share my story and the brand that perhaps I wouldn't have been able to do before that because we were all traveling and so busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we focused a lot on like building strong bones. So becoming a B Corp, filing our patent, creating new products for um, the new way that we're living and, and um, mentoring young women and you know not having to travel so much. So I did see a lot of upsides of course, like the reality is there were so many challenges too. Um, challenges in that, you know, we plan to launch and to be booming in business right away. And we had already designed and produced our first order before production order before COVID. Mm-hmm. And I made the decision to keep that as is. I didn't want to cancel my order with my supplier, with my factory. I committed to that. You are my partner. Let's go forward with it. We'll see what happens. Um, and that was a risky decision because I'm fundraising. So putting capital towards something like that can be really scary. Um, and fundraising in the environment was really challenging as well because there were so many things happening in the world and you really need to be sensitive to that and respectful of how that's affecting other people and what and who they care about when things are happening. So we could be fundraising one week and things are going great. And then next week something happens and you really have to take a step back and realize there's a lot of things going on. So I think just being conscious and emotionally intelligent was something to be really on top of. And, um, and that goes with everything. So um, trying to sell your brand and also, you know, talking to press and talking to people asking if they'd like to do a trunk show, like to be really um, respectful of just the mindset of everyone. So that felt like, you know, always kind of treading on waters <laughs> for the year, but, but overall, I was just really happy because the partners I chose in Italy just showed me how strong they were and how trustworthy they were. So. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. And that just, uh, yeah, just gave you like the belief that everything's going to be okay as you yeah. this brand. Yeah. yeah. And even um, coming out of last year, I mean, things, the environment's changing, the mood is changing in the world. Um, things are clearing up in some capacity in some areas and things are being brought to the forefront that needed to be. And now people are getting excited because if, if you are not getting the vaccine, it still gives people a glimpse of hope and um, like foresight of the future. So, you know, we have our new collection out, we're selling it, we're doing lots of events, um, virtual events, and it feels really good. I can feel just, I I feel like I've had a pulse on people and, and, and the, the vibe feels really good now. So that's good. And this new collection, can you just give a few words about it and what? Yeah. Um, So the new collection is a little bit more casual. Um, we've added some beautiful colors that are mostly um, earth tone colors. So the names are all inspired by Italian lifestyle or nature. So latte, which is light cream, espresso, um, arancia, uh, blush, cerolo. Um, they're all really, really beautiful seasonless colors. And we've added flats, sandals, um, heels, a little sexier, and um, some offerings with and without the bow. Okay. 
That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I was surprised to see the colors because the last collection was just black and white. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we um we launched with white to signify a rebirth in in Italian luxury footwear, um, and we did have plans to add more colors sooner, but of course we pivoted last year. So I'm happy we can add them now. Gotcha. Well, yeah. you're an inspiring shoemaker, luxury shoemaker, and thank you so much for your time and for just chatting about your journey. And I wish your brand success to go upwards and onwards. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for the opportunity to do this with you. It was such a pleasure. Of course. All right. Well, thanks, Jennifer. And I hope you have a good Tuesday, right? It's Tuesday. Yes, it's Tuesday. <laughs> thank That's you. Thanks, Sally. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode and that you have found a soulful connection to the conversation. God bless you. And until the next episode, go bless somebody else.